Welcome to B&B Financially Free, the podcast for ambitious individuals chasing financial freedom through buying short-term rental investments. We're your hosts, Chantel and Peter, and we're the founders of Good Neighbor Realty. Our brokerage has helped hundreds of people turn their active income into passive income by buying unique properties in incredible locations that are earning a ton of money. On this show, we'll bring on a diverse range of guests from industry experts to everyday people who have achieved extraordinary results in their short-term rental investments, businesses, and personal lives. Whether you're seeking tactical advice or trying to unlock your richest life, BNB Financially Free is here to join you on the journey. Hello and welcome to our second episode of B&B Financially Free. I am so excited to have real estate moguls and close <laughs> friends, Sina and Keisha, in our little itty bitty podcast studio today. Uh, and we're roommates. We oh, were roommates, we're roommates. <laughs> for a quick second. That is true. <laughs> we should disclose that up front. <laughs> we are very excited to be here and so pumped yeah, about this podcast and how many people this is going to help. And we're excited for a juicy combo. I mean, yeah. we've learned so much from you and, and Peter and the whole team over the last year, just getting into this. So we're. I think this podcast is going to just teach people so much and yeah. be such a beneficial tool for them. I appreciate that, you guys. And, you know, I was thinking about this. How long have we known each other? Over a year now? Like a year and a half? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're like a year and a half. So we met and I looked at Keisha and I was like, I want to start a podcast. And she was like, that's great. That's what I do. And we like met about that. And then as we're meeting about me starting a podcast, she's like, what are you doing on your computer? And I was (laughs) like, I'm looking at short-term rentals. And she's like, ooh, I want a short-term rental. And I was like, whatever girl like we, we're here <laughs> heard that before we're here about my podcast yeah. and a year and a half later and two episodes in i am doing my first podcast but in the meantime you guys have bought 4.5 million in real estate <laughs> this is chill so, hey we both did what we said we we're gonna do we're yeah. Gonna, yeah you got the podcast going we got some airbnbs we got there um but i'm so excited to have you both on i wanted to introduce both of you and what you do so keisha runs a very exceptionally wonderful podcast called empower her and she just hit a milestone where she has nine million downloads on her podcast and cena left his career as a dentist and manages and finds and does all of the work that goes behind acquiring their real estate also Mm -hmm. has an amazing podcast called get investing and so yeah tell us tell me a little bit about how you got into the short-term rental space in particular and how your backgrounds led to that. So I have, I've been an entrepreneur for nine years now. And what I do currently is like you said, I have my podcast empower her and it's a personal growth podcast for women. But from that community, we've developed a lot of different silos. So one part is I help women launch podcasts, grow podcasts, do in-person retreats and events. But what's interesting, and I do a lot of keynote speaking as well, but what's interesting is I was noticing everything that I was doing was trading like my time for money. Like I have to show up, Mm -hmm. even with the podcast, it's my favorite thing that I do. But if I don't podcast, then I'm not getting paid by sponsors. If I don't show up for the programs that I'm doing, Mm -hmm. helping people, then I'm not getting paid for those programs. So I always had in the back of my head, especially when we moved into this season at the time that we're recording this, I'm 30 weeks pregnant with our first baby. And I knew that was coming up on the horizon. So I was kind of in the back of my head thinking, how could we take some of the cash flow that's coming into my business and diversify it and put it into something else? But I met originally in a business mastermind that I was a part of a guy named Steve who had a $50 million portfolio in real estate in the Phoenix area in long-term rentals. And he kind of planted this seed in my head about real estate. And Sina, meanwhile, was a dentist at the time. And he was starting to get interested in real estate and also interested in leaving dentistry. So. <laughs> and uninterested in dentistry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so at the same time. What about dentistry? Did you not like Sina? <laughs> yeah, was it the root canals? Or? Just, yeah, just people tell you that they hate you and <laughs> they're bad breath. And yeah, yeah not, I mean, so yeah, I was a dentist. I, I worked for three years out in like the real world after after dental school. And there was just a point that I hit of, you know, this can't be it for me. It's not for like, it just wasn't for me. I tried different clinics, I tried different environments, and I was like, you know what, this isn't for me. And like Keisha said, we had um Steve kind of showing us examples of real estate and he was a long-term rental guy. Um, and we'll get into how we got into short-term rentals, but I was like, I think I could do that. Um, and, and there's a whole lot that went into that decision and won't take up the whole podcast about that, but it's, I decided to leave dentistry, 
try out this real estate thing. So uh, we first started in long-term rentals because I saw the path. I was like, oh, you own it for 30 years. You can, we can take the money from your business case and just put it into these long-term rentals. And in like 30 years, we'll have a big chunk of money. Meanwhile, you know, collecting a hundred bucks a month, maybe on a long-term <laughs> rental. I was like, this is great. And he's like, the tax benefits, babe, like check it out. <laughs> that did not get me pumped. The tax no. benefits did not make me want to get up in the morning. Yeah. One of us does the taxes. So weird. Yeah. it's really weird. Well, but really, I think that's, it's important because I do think that like long-term rental like path is interesting for some people, yeah. but truly like I was thinking, how can I take this community that I've built and how can I take my like creative brain that also loves like bringing women together. Yeah. And I just didn't see how I could even benefit our real estate business with my own skill set at mm -hmm. that time. Well, yeah. And it was going to your guys' good neighbor meetup where yeah. um, we, it was like a month after we met and like, oh, let's go support her. Yeah. And then I started talking to people. I'm like, wait, you make how much? Like, no <laughs> way. Like our Phoenix rental makes like a hundred bucks a month. Like, <laughs> how do I get into this? And that's a side note. Like if you're thinking about getting into real estate in general, like get to the meetups, get yourself around people mm -hmm. that can um, like give you the real life example of like what's happening, not just someone on the internet that says Airbnb is crashing or the real estate market's crashing, like get around the people that are actually doing it and see what they say. And uh, yeah. that helps a lot. That's so funny because that's exactly how I got into short-term rental. But this was like back in 2017. So I met this guy at a meetup and he was like so sheepish and just like ashamed to be at this big investor meetup because everybody else there was like multifamily. And he was like, I rent out a bedroom on Airbnb. And I was like, wait, I've been thinking about doing Airbnb. Yeah. Like how much do you make on this bedroom? Yeah. And at the time he, he had a little condo in Lakewood. And I was like, that should make like 600 bucks. And he was like, I'm making $1,800 a month Dang. on my Lakewood bedroom. And I was like, you're making $1,800 a month. And yeah. like, I just knew that that was like three times more than what you should be making on that type of asset. And yeah. so that was the same for me. Like I just heard about the money and then yeah. I was like, I got to get a piece of this. So yeah. with that, how did you guys decide to make your first move in short-term rental. What changed for you, Keisha? Because previously you weren't super interested in real estate investing. Being at that meetup in particular and talking to people that were doing Airbnb, I didn't need to see proof of the money. Seen as more like the guy that's interested in the finances aspect of yeah. it. I just wanted to feel like I could add value and it would be fun and fulfilling and it could be another way that we could earn another stream of income. So we left that event and we went and got margaritas, which every good decision starts <laughs> with margaritas. And I was like, we could totally do this. And we came up with this concept that we were like, I at the time had been in 15 weddings as a bridesmaid or maid of honor. And like we were starting to think about the bachelorette party scene like straight yeah. out the gates thinking, boy, well, I have this predominantly women community. What if we had a space that we could host retreats and that could be more geared towards bachelorettes? And we got to create something where I felt like I got to have like some sort of say in helping develop the brand around yeah. it and that I could drive my existing community into it. Yeah, so yeah I mean, it, it was really works. like, you're, we, we wanted to see how we can combine strengths because yeah. my strength is not in the marketing, the mm -hmm. niching, the like thinking about your ideal um, person that's staying there. And I think that's so important. We get into that of you saw the vision right away. Like mm -hmm. these are the people that can stay there. So then everything that went into that house was with that person in mind. Mm -hmm. And I liked running the like rehabs and the design and the like mm -hmm. logistics of it all. So we saw that's how we could mesh those worlds. Cause you weren't really interested in the long-term rentals. And mm -hmm. now I'm not even, I want to sell ours. <laughs> like I was get all short-term rentals, but um, we just saw that was the path for both of us to, to have our kind of hands in the project. Yeah. And we looked and it, what we thought should be created wasn't really existing in Denver. Like there mm -hmm. wasn't something that was specifically niche. There was a lot of themed houses, yeah. but it wasn't for this exact demographic. And so, you know, when we went with you to look for that first short-term rental, I mean, remember like we walked in and we were like, this is it. Mm -hmm. And Sina's was like, Kish, don't get too excited. We might not get it. And I was like, we are getting this property. I don't care how much we pay. It's going to be successful. I know it. And now, I mean, I'm really glad that we did it. Sina's uh, like, are there cameras in this house? Like, yeah. I was like, are they listening to us say, we'll pay whatever we want? Kish is like, I do not care. We are closing on this property. Yeah. I mean, side note though, like if you're thinking about getting an Airbnb and you think it's saturated, or do you think there's too many? like just look at your market and see like what's missing is there a space you can fill because there's always room for the best mm -hmm. um so there's always ways you can break into any market right like airbnb like traveling has been around for so long maybe airbnb hasn't been around that long but like people are always traveling so yeah. figure out like what need can you fill in your specific city 
Mm. It's made it so fun because the people that book this property, they say, I have to stay at this property, Mm. right? It's like the maid of honors or the bachelorettes that are finding, you know, pictures of it. And they're like, this is exactly what we need. And then we can cater all the amenities to them, the whole design to them. And it just makes it so easy because it's also very clear who it's not for. It's not geared towards families. And I think there's a little bit of fear that people have with niching in general. And I know even Cena had that fear at first. Like, what if we are missing a huge part of the Mm -hmm. market? But it's been the exact opposite. It's like people that are booking this. We just had a booking reach out. Like, it's like a year and a half ahead of time. She's like, I have to stay at this yeah. house. The pillows are perfect. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know? So I think they that, are great pillows. <laughs> so I think it's worth it, you know? And then we can charge top dollar because we've noticed with this demographic of like girls' trips, someone's booking it and then they're dividing it by the total amount of people, which mm-hmm. for us, you know, our properties sleep 12 in beds. So it's like you're telling, you know, Ashley, okay, it's $300 for your part so we can get that, you know, good nightly rate too, which is cool. I love that because this demographic is willing to each pay a couple hundred dollars a night for each girl in the party. Yeah. Another thing that you guys said that's interesting, and this is something that I've done in my personal investments too, is you saw something that was missing in the market. And I think that a lot of investors will look at a market and they only want to model off of what somebody else is doing. Yeah, And it can be really scary. Did you guys see this as an example in other markets and then bring it here to Denver? Were you nervous about that? Were you worried about whether or not bachelorette parties would ever even visit Denver? What went into that? Yeah, I think at first it was, it was more like girls weekend focused yeah. than it was bachelorettes, but it turned into just like 90% bachelorette party bookings. I didn't think, I knew people went to Denver for bachelorettes. Mm-hmm. I thought there was more girls trips, like just weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of evolved with time as we got bookings. Um, and the place. regulation aspect of it was big for you too. Yeah. Like, as in Cena was like, if we're going to put a lot of money into this property, he really wanted it to be in regulated areas. And we're like, if there is a licensing shortage and obviously depending upon where someone lives, that's listening into this podcast. It's like talking with you and making sure that we understood the regulations. We're like, wait a second, this could be one of the only bachelorette party houses that's close to downtown Denver in a regulated area. So it just, it made a lot of sense to us, like from your logistical brain. And then from me thinking like, what are these women actually going to want to do and how close will they want to be to downtown Denver? So even if it's not, Denver is not a bachelorette market like Nashville or Phoenix is. There's still so many people that are visiting Denver. And if they've got really a couple options of where to stay, and we happen to own two of them, we're pretty stoked about that. Yeah, Yeah. I actually don't know anybody else in Colorado that owns a bachelorette-centric home. And so I think that that is so unique that you guys have the one home that's available for that. And so if anybody's looking for that in this market, they're only going to have you as an option. And it's a great option. Um, Let's touch a little bit more on the regulation aspect. Sina, tell us about the the places that you purchased here in Colorado and what the regulation is and why that made sense for you guys. Yeah. So I think anyone that's starting to get into Airbnb, like check the regulation first. So Mm -hmm. if you don't have a, a brokerage like yours, like good neighbor that you guys are so on top of the regulations in every part of Denver and even greater Denver. Um, just call your local like city or mm-hmm. County and just be like, Hey, what's the deal? Are you guys changing it soon? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're about to change it. Like these are big yeah. investments you're making and um, you should be making big investments in these if you want to succeed. And that's just the, the game you're, you're in, but you also want to make sure that they're not going to shut you down mm-hmm. uh, a week later, a month later, a couple mm-hmm. months later. So we went to wheat Ridge cause you, you mentioned, you know, there's 12 licenses left or whatever, mm-hmm. and then it goes on to a wait list. So in my brain, I'm like, that's great. Like, A, it's legal. They're not mm-hmm. going to come shut me down. They have rules in place, which is great. And there's also limited supply, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's right outside of Denver. Uh, Denver County's really cracking down on people illegally doing Airbnb. So what's going to happen is people are going to push out to the to surrounding cities. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of in that path. And it gives me peace of mind because it's like, no, we're following the rules. We, we do everything they ask and, and then we get to keep going. Cause the last thing I want is for them to just shut us down. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then the second place we went to was, um, Mountain View, which again, a little pocket of Denver that you told us about. Don't that, tell anybody about Mountain yeah. View. <laughs> it's, it's this little city in Denver that, that just so happens to allow short-term rentals. So when we were close, when we were inches that property, it was some kind of value to me of like, just as much as the rehab that was done. I was like, this is the value. Cause we get this three year license. I'm like, there's a value for that. So, yeah. you know, Do you at least remember when I told you that I didn't think that champagne house could make as much as what you thought 
That's literally his fuel source. When someone tells him he can't do it, he's like, watch me. And I was like, okay. I don't think I thought about about that. During the whole design process, I'm like, Chantel said it won't do well. Chantel said it won't do well. Here I go. Just watch. Just watch. So I told Cena that I thought that the property would do well. Yeah. But I told him that I didn't think it was going to be the top performing property in the area. And he was like, why? And I was like, it's just not the same type of asset, Cena. Like when you're comparing it to like these new build, bigger homes, like it's just not the same type of asset. Yeah. And boy, was I wrong. And like another thing that I want you guys to touch on is what type of assets you purchased yeah. and the work that you put into those assets, because both of the homes that you purchased were higher end homes from yeah. like a price point standpoint. And then they were turnkey. Yeah. But you still did a lot of work. What made that decision? Yeah, like, um, first off, I think when you're walking in front, maybe you're looking for Airbnb right now, like, what's the vision that you see with it? Mm Because that's kind of how we went off both of them. Like, what could this be? Uh, Is a good place to start? And like, is it functional? Can it work? Um, And we also like the turnkey because any month you're not open, you're you're losing money every night. Yeah. Right. But then also, are you maximizing the space? Like, we walked into to the first house, Peach House. Uh, there was like this little utility room, but we're like, we could add another bedroom here, which means we get to add a bunk room. That's four more people sleeping there. That yeah. increases our uh, nightly rate and our occupancy up because- And now t- you're the only five bedroom in the area. Yeah. yeah. Or one like, of the very few. One of the few, yeah. There's a few others, but yeah, there's not that many. It's like, okay, well, there's value there. Uh, yeah, you have to spend, I don't know, what was it, like five, seven grand to do that, but we've got, gained that back. Mm-hmm. And then when we walked into the second one, there's a lot more challenges on like the layout. It wasn't mm-hmm. as- um, It was a little choppy. A little choppy, but we're like, well, the inside is not this big like hangout area, but the garage is not being used. Like no one needs to park their car when they're on vacation yeah. at a bachelorette. It's like, what if we turn the garage into a lounge? I get that question all the time. One for resale and one for if the guest actually uses it. And a garage is so important for resale, but I think that so many people get hung up in short-term rental because they're only thinking about their exit strategies and they're yeah. not thinking about how to make it a great short-term rental. Yeah. People are more afraid of the fear of loss yeah. than anything else. And so I think what you guys have done and like really going for it and making it a great short-term rental, yeah. even though it makes it kind of weird from a resale value, like let's talk yeah. about your garage and what it is now yeah. and how it's so great for short-term rental, but maybe bad for resale. Yeah. I mean, we know we'll be there at least five to 10 years. So like, we're going to make that money back and we'll also make enough extra that if we need to convert it back to a garage, like you could do, we could do that. Mm -hmm. And that it's like, you can always convert it back, but there is a point where you do have to, you have to swing. You got to swing. Like if you want to have the houses that people want to book, you can't just work around these little like things that are off. You got to like make it cater for them. So in our mind, we're like, like we're thinking like, where are they going to hang out? Not, not, not dealing with that later when people are complaining, like, oh right. man, there's not really a space for us to like have drinks. It's like, we knew that ahead of time. Like, so we either got to fix that or find a different house. And mm-hmm. we knew the garage could be a space for that. Otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then- it gave optionality too, for different types of bookings. Cause we're talking about bachelorettes, which are typically Thursday through Sunday. But the other side of it that we were thinking of is how can we get weekday bookings yeah. to that Sunday through yeah. Wednesday booking? I was like, okay, if we can do retreats, I could host retreats there. I could advertise this for people doing retreats, but we've also done things like live podcast events. We've had people that are now renting to do content because this champagne lounge that we converted our garage, you know, into this lounge has couches and chairs. It can fit 50 people in chairs in it. So it became this like tiny little event space. And we saw the vision of that, like straight out the gates that it was worth it to put the money into it because it's like, Essentially, there's a garage door, but there's a wall up now, and that wall we can just tear down that wall, and yeah, then it's it fine. But your one, husband can do that, right? Yeah, he'll just tear it down. Yeah. He'll just tear it down. Perfect. But well, it just made me think too. Is you know, for anyone listening into this, that you know, if they don't li- live in Colorado or they aren't familiar with Good Neighbor, it's like asking yourself, can you work with an agent who actually owns short-term rentals too? Yeah. Because while we're talking about how we just kind of went for this and. We do have a story that in 15 months, we bought four and a half million dollars worth of real estate properties. But a lot of the fear that was like alleviated by getting to talk to you, obviously now we're such great friends, but like it would be so hard to get into this space if you're working with like your cousin, Bobby, who doesn't know anything about short-term rental. So it's like finding an agent that actually knows this space. So when you're freaking the F out, when you (laughs) launch it, like Cena does every time we launch something, he's like, Keisha, what if this is the one that nobody books? And I'm like, babe, 
I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. So I'm like, it always is just like awkward at the beginning, but then it gets going. But every time you do that and you have this like panic attack, I'm like, I don't know, call Chantel. Yeah. She'll tell you it'll be fine. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think it's going to be fine. And then you got like a bunch of bookings. You got like $20,000 yeah. in bookings. Yeah. In like the first 48 hours. Yeah. yeah. That was great. The one thing I want to touch on, maybe the analytical people out there about mm -hmm. like adding things to the house. So like I knew the garage was going to be about like 10,000 to convert. Mm -hmm. And then, um, we converted it. And then the first few stays, it, it's freaking hot in there. Like there's no air. <laughs> so then I'm like, oh, shoot, we need to put AC in there. I was there for this argument. Yeah. Actually, um, you weren't so keen on putting AC. Yeah, immediately. I was very keen on it because your I was pregnant sweating. wife was My like, Sina, we are putting your AC pregnant in this. wife hosting a fifty-person event <laughs> in a sweaty lounge. Saying, it was we a slumlord, Sina. <laughs> You're dead. That's too. what they say about our properties. They're really slumlorded around. Yeah. Um, What's the opposite of a slumlord? That's a good question. A well, bougie, bougie, bougie landlord. Yeah, the bougie landlord. Yeah, slum dog. No? Slum dog. Right. Love that. Yeah, you know me. Um, <laughs> so I was like, all right, these. This like event person in this in this garage thing it might be a thing. Okay, it costs thirty five hundred bucks to put AC in here. We got a six thousand dollar week long booking because they're going to host an event in there. So yeah. I see how that money comes back, mm -hmm. and that's could could be ways you can think about like those big expenses. If you go into a house, you're like, okay, can this return that money? Um, not what's this going to cost me? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Something else about AC that I just want to make note of. It's a pain in the ass. It is a pain in the ass, but. If you don't have AC, so we live in Colorado, and if you talk to any realtor in Colorado, your realtor will tell you, oh, the house is in the mountains. You don't need AC. Uh -huh. It's going to be fine. Your yeah. guests will just open up windows. And I bought my own bullshit. And so yeah. <laughs> I had two mountain properties, and I'm like, it's the mountains. Like, it's yeah. like a nice 70. Our guests are coming from Texas and Florida and Kansas. Yeah. It's not even considered finished space yeah. if it is not air conditioned. Yeah. And so they're just accustomed to that. Yeah. And then on top of that, if it is a really hot day, if there's not AC, they literally hate everything because yeah. they're hot and bothered. Like yeah. they get in there and they're just like, this place is yeah. disgusting. Yeah. And so it since in my like higher end properties, we added AC since I have had zero complaints, mm -hmm. but before it was like, we feel like it's dirty or we feel yeah. like it's like too remote or like yeah. it's just everything else was wrong, but it was the AC. Yeah. So yes. tip to the wise, just buy the AC. Well, and that just shows where the market's out of Airbnb. Like it's professionalized now and there's right. a certain expectation of a guest coming in. Um, so it's not that like it's saturated. Just you got to, if you want to compete with the, the properties that people want, you, mm -hmm. you're going to have to do these things. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, I feel like that's even worth noting that one of the properties that we bought was an active Airbnb. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that because yeah. another thing that I think is interesting about your journey is mm -hmm. you guys came in a year ago to this yeah. space. Yeah. And right before that, we were like gangbusters Airbnb. Like you yeah. could literally like put anything online and it was going to rent. Yep. And then everybody started freaking out. They're like, Airbnb is going down. Airbnb bust was like becoming a thing. And yep. this is when you guys started buying. And so mm -hmm. you really knew getting into this space that you had to do this well, whereas before the bar was much yeah. lower. So talk mm -hmm. to me about the one of the properties, Champagne House that you bought, the revenue was really bad. Why did you guys decide to move forward even though the revenue history was really low? Yeah. I'll take that. Well, I think we just knew from proof of concept from the last one. So like when you're doing it for the first time, you don't have anything to look back on and say, see, last time I did this, it worked out. So it can feel a little bit scarier. Mm -hmm. But we had proof of concept with our first Airbnb peach house that niching and really knowing who you were designing for was going to give us the ROI. So when we looked at the listing of the property that we bought and it was an active Airbnb listing, we were able to point out all of the ways that we would do it differently. We're like, OK, we see why he thought this made sense. And to your point two or three years ago, it would have crushed, mm -hmm. but it's just a different market now. And we don't know anything different mm -hmm. because we are, we, I mean, we know different, but we have never operated in that way. So we just saw right away. We're like, we could do this. We could do this. We could do this. So we just trusted because of proof of concept from the first one that we could do it with the second. Yeah. And, and being around people that have yeah. done it too. And, you know, we, it's it just that experience. We saw some of the 
the things that you can do with Airbnb and what people ask for and what this person that had it on Airbnb before was missing. And yeah. I'm like, okay, well, he doesn't have a gathering space. The table's not big enough for everyone to dine at. That's what people want. Like we literally walk through like what a bachelorette party would want. It's like, they like to dine together. They like to have pre-drinks together before they go out. Like, do they have a space for that? Mm -hmm. They want to make cocktails. Is there enough glasses? Is there, they want to take pictures. Is there like a picture wall? Like mm -hmm. as silly as it sounds, that's what they want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, so just give that to them, like figure out what it is. Right. Like, and if maybe mm -hmm. you're, maybe you're kidding, you want to cater to like a family. Okay. Well they have kids. They need like a playground. They need like a bunk bed. They love bunk beds. They love like tort or whatever. Like, uh, like toys. We don't, or, we don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. Like we don't do families, but like, like don't put up neon signs in a house that needs families, yeah, but like right. they don't care about the picture. So it's just like, we thought it through and like, yeah, right here, right here, right here, right here. We can do all that stuff and it's mm. going to hit. And I, just to be fully transparent, we also had the revenue coming in from the first one that we saw like, okay, we have the money that we can do another one because we felt like this first one was taking off that we had recouped our costs and we're like, okay, we have mm -hmm. enough revenue to go, which is yeah. where buying a more luxury turnkey property just has so much more revenue coming in monthly yeah. that we felt like we had more opportunity to scale and we wanted to go right away because we were actually having people reach out and that property was booked. So now we can actually refer them to our other property. Does that happen a lot? Our first yeah. booking was waiting. The first That's three bookings so cool. were waiting till we opened up the calendar because Peach House was booked. Yeah, which is really yeah. cool. I love yeah. that. Yeah, and you know, another interesting thing about that property that you guys bought is it wasn't done poorly. So, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that that's something too, is like, it's now not just professional photos and Ikea furniture either. Yeah. And like, that's, that's a change as well, because at some point, like you could really stand out if you just got professional photos on yeah. Airbnb. And so I remember looking at that and like seeing the revenue, but you guys were like, no, we need to add wallpaper here. We need to paint this already renovated kitchen, which mm. a lot of people are nervous to do. When you are buying a turnkey property, sometimes yeah. you don't want to spend like the extra money to like really make it pop. So let's talk about some of the things that you guys did to take like a standard, nice quality flip that's a lot of white, a lot of gray, yeah. and make it into something that really stood out on the platform. Yeah, I think, you know, when people book an Airbnb, they're, they want to house it like it's not like their own. Like you want right, something nicer, yeah. right? Like when you rent a car, sometimes you want to rent like a Beamer or like, like a mm -hmm. convertible. Like you want something that you don't normally in. And this one was a very standard, like gray, gray walls, like that light painter's gray or whatever they use. And like this tile that's kind of a grayish tone. This guy really liked his gray. I'm like <laughs> 50 shades of gray. <laughs> so we're, we were putting stuff like the, the furniture was coming in. I'm like, something about this just isn't like, I don't feel like I'm in a different place, you know? Mm. And I was like, it's the walls. Like they're all gray, like that light gray. I was like, so we painted that, brightened it up real fast. Mm -hmm. And then the kitchen, when you open the door, you look right into the kitchen. Like it's the first thing you see. And it just didn't pop. It was just like this mm -hmm. like tile that was okay. Like it was mm -hmm. just like this standard tile. It was like, let's paint the cabinets green and let's throw a green tile on the backsplash to have it like pop at you when you come out. Mm -hmm. And we get comments on that all the time. Like they love mm -hmm. that look. And yeah. it really like you open the door and you feel like you're in a place, mm -hmm. right? You don't, you don't have to like search the house for the one wall or the like one area that's like poppy. It's like, it just kind of flows. Mm -hmm. The feeling right when you walk in the door was really big for us because that's the first impression. Yeah. And because to see this point, it was looking at the kitchen. We're like, we have to start there. And we love like textures and different styles and things like that. So it's been yeah. really fun to even design because we both actually like design a lot. Yeah. And in different ways, we see things where I see it as the, I am the demographic, right? Mm -hmm. And then Sina sees it through this lens of like, what's the ROI on the design mm -hmm. itself. So yeah. the combination of those two superpowers and kind of staying in our own lanes of how we can contribute has made it really fun for us to do together. Yeah. And that's cool to think about too. Like the ROI on those things, like you can't, can't measure ROI, it. Yeah, right. you can't measure it. Right. On wallpaper yeah. yep, or on a mural. And that could be like a $7,000 investment into mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. But I think it's interesting, like short-term rental investing is half real estate investing and half digital marketing. Yeah. yeah. And while you can like A-B test, like you have an asset that you're making permanent change to. Yeah. And so you're not able to like A-B test in real time. Like, is this mural going to do better than that one? Right. But like, there is like this like gut component of it. And like, that comes from being an entrepreneur. And I yeah. think that that's a strength that you guys both have. Yeah. Um, Keisha, talk to us a little bit about, you know, your 
just encouragement to Cena, who was a little bit nervous in the beginning on this being a business and just your outlook on like short-term rental being a business mm-hmm. and the time that you need to invest in it, like to allow it to really flourish. It's interesting because, you know, you get more comfortable with risk as an entrepreneur. Like I've launched programs and I've done big events and I've had to write big checks for things like that. But it's very different when you're buying a house, right? Yeah. Like a house with a really high sticker price. So it was like, you know, I have, especially doing things like through social media and that type of business, there's social risk involved, but Mm -hmm. there's not as much monetary risk as there is with the house. But I think Mm -hmm. what was really helpful was reminding Cena, like we are in a financial position where like, we don't have to have our backs are not against the wall that this has to immediately take off, but giving yourself grace to zoom out and think like, how is this going to contribute to where we want to be in five years? Mm -hmm. And what type of optionality are we giving ourselves? What type of income you know, opportunity is there Mm -hmm. and just kind of getting him out of like that, that first initial reaction of like, Oh, like the panic and just zooming out and even using my own example in my career of how things like that start really small end up just taking off, but it just takes time. Mm -hmm. So I really wasn't nervous about the investment at all, but Cena also puts a lot more pressure on himself and especially leaving dentistry, I think that was a big thing too. Yeah, I think I, I finally found something I like it was exciting for me and I was mm-hmm. passionate about. So yeah. like I, I sometimes get in my own head about like this has to work right away. I need to be making this much amount. And but I'm kind of I'm shifting my like what I'm telling people when they ask is like, I think your first year as an Airbnb, like how do you get all five star reviews? How do you get your systems in place mm-hmm. and then start worrying about like how do you maximize profits? Right. How yeah. do you drive down like your costs, how do you uh, drive up your revenue? Cause you just need to see what people will pay for. Like, even though these houses are similar and like in the similar area, they actually book a lot differently. Like mm-hmm. the lead times on them, the types of groups that come um, and even the pricing and we're, we're still dialing that in. So if I put that same pressure to like, this has to take off just as fast, mm-hmm. it's not gonna be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. but what we can control is like, how do the people that are coming, how do you give them five-star reviews every time? Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's gonna separate you. Like you gotta have that. I love that answer too, because one of the things when Cena was a dentist that you were like frustrated by is he had done all the procedures that he was ever going to do. And he was like, I'm Hmm. bored. He's like, I've done every procedure I'm ever going to do for the rest of my life. And now is this all I'm going to do? But what's cool with like even iterating with Airbnb, like we were just talking this morning about like, okay, let's build out a website for these bachelorette houses. How can we get SEO? How can we do blog content to drive to it? Should we do direct bookings and like how to that next variation of what we want to do? So it just constantly gets to evolve with us. And as creative thinkers, I think it's something that's fun to have different problems to solve versus just like doing the same thing over and over again, you know? I think that that is so important. And like, also, I think you and I share this, like both of us coming from like an entrepreneurial background, it's so fun that there's always more to squeeze. Yeah. Like you can add, you can innovate, you can target new people. And like, it's not stagnant. Like if you get into a long-term rental, sure. You know, like you can, paint your walls and like you might be able to get like a couple hundred dollars like more like a month in your like long-term rental but ultimately that's kind of fixed whereas short-term rental you can constantly push the envelope you can become the best you could like set your own records and then beat those by being Mm -hmm. by driving to your own little business and i think that people don't think about the upside as much as they could with just like the longevity and the potential for this to become something better and better each year. Yeah. And I think people get the wrong impression. If you put swinging chairs in your long-term rentals, <laughs> they might think that it's like a different type of house. So you That's definitely don't so get the true. RI, but in a short-term rental, throw, throw out some swinging chairs. Well, And I think it's worth mentioning that like we are super passionate, like me in particular, I work with a lot of entrepreneurial women, but also I work with women that are working full-time corporate jobs that have say podcasts on the side mm-hmm. is like, this doesn't have to be your full-time thing. I just am really a huge proponent of diversifying your income in general. So it's like, I remember at first you were telling Cena that you manage your properties Hmm. as like an investor (laughs) in a couple hours a week. And Cena was like, she is full of shit. Um, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but we haven't decided yet. (laughs) Great. You're the first one to swear on the podcast. (laughs) So I was saying to Cena, you know, like we need to get it to that point eventually, but it's so interesting because we have friends now that are even like working W2 jobs that are interested and starting to think about Airbnb as a side thing. Yeah. And and you're listening and I think you like, we're talking about like scaling so fast and like buying two properties. Like that's not how 
I don't think even many people start or should they start? Like if we could go back, like I, we would have bought houses when I was a dentist. For sure. Like, I don't, yeah, w2, we have no W2 income. I, I don't even think the way I, like we were able to do that because your business, I could yeah. just leave because your business was, you know, enough for us to live off right. of and do everything we wanted. So it was a really safe time for us to take that risk. I don't know if that's the best way to go about it. Um, but I know like you, Chantal, you started with house hacking. Like you mm -hmm. rented out your basement. We have so many people that rent out their Basements like traveling nurses or like midterm rentals or even short-term rentals. Like that's a great place to start. Yeah. So don't listen in and think that like you don't have the confidence to go after like a big house and there's something wrong with you. It's like start with something that you can build up that confidence yeah. to then eventually work up to that big house. Like find yourself in this story, I guess, is yeah. more so the point I wanted to make is like we were in a position where we could buy these houses that were high ticket houses. Yeah. But looking back, it's like gosh, it would have been so beneficial. We don't have W-2 income and anyone listening yeah. in that does have W-2 income, it's like, that's so much easier to get loans. Yeah. <laughs> We've had to just really get creative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that that's so true. There's not one way to do real yeah. estate. There's yeah. so many ways to get started, whether it's, you know, you're already in your career and you have no interest in making this your career. I mean, I, it would be such a sad world if all of us were just Airbnb investors and yeah. entrepreneurs, you know? Um, and the, I've had people start with, you know, buying like a quadplex and living in one unit and renting yeah. out the other or living upstairs and renting out the basement. And so yeah. everybody's story is a little bit different. And like, I think too, that people get really stuck on, there has to be a map for this. Like I have to do something that's already been done. Like I have to buy the right type of investment. Yeah. But the truth is, is there isn't one right way. And people yeah. get really stuck on that all totally. the time. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the assets that you purchased. Like what were the purchase prices? What was the investment into them? How much do you think that they're going to gross and revenue? What does that look like from a net perspective? Yeah. Seeing a question. <laughs> so I would like to hear this from Keisha. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> ask her what a write-off is. You know? Who pays Everything. for the write-off? This is a write-off. What are we doing right now? We're writing it off. Yeah. Um, so first house was Beach House that we bought. Uh, that was 975. Uh, we had to put 20% down. So that's like 180 something. Conventional. Did you use other people's money? We did not. So you don't have to use other people's money to be you, a successful real estate investor? You don't. You do, right have, here. <laughs> you do have to have some cash though. Like I, I, we had some friends reach out that like, oh, we should Airbnb. I'm like, I don't, I think you should buy a primary. I don't know if you should buy an Airbnb. Like it's very cash intensive. We'll figure out how to increase Or your increase your income. income. One yeah, of those. First, like that could be yeah. first step. Uh, but we had the income coming in from Keisha's business. So we did that and we, th we put about like 75 into it with like the new bedroom and like the hot tub and some concrete and all the furniture in there. So we're in it for like, I don't know, like 260, 270. It's going to do probably 170 this year um, and probably net between 70 and 80. We had some like big expenses um, awesome. that came up. But uh I'm not really too worried about the first year. It's the second year and third year, which we're optimizing like right now, the website, the direct booking, uh, mm. SEO, like stuff to drive to it um, because we have the proof of concept. The second property we bought was um, nine quad bucks. Oh yeah, the quad, we bought a quadplex. Oh. Uh, that one was on seller finance. That was a million bucks, uh, four units. And we did that on uh, seller finance. Like I said, we did 15% down. And then um, the seller gave us like a 4.5% rate on that. And then we put about like 45 grand into renovating all four units total. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, they're small units. We long-term tenants in it. Yeah. And that was when we were like, <laughs> we were doing an Airbnb. So we closed on them one week apart, a quadplex with long-term tenants in it. And, which was essentially our first time ever yeah. being landlords because our long-term rental that we have in Phoenix, we don't even know like who lives there. There's a property management company. Yeah. And then we have the short-term rental. And those were two projects at the exact same time. And they were extremely different situations. Yeah. This quadplex is like in an area that's like kind of up and coming and it's in a neighborhood that's growing. <laughs> and uh, it had long-term tenants. So we knew as soon as they moved out, we would be kind of renovating, fixing them up and yeah. then doing midterm rentals. So we're just wrapping up the last two units should be online in the next uh, two weeks or so. But the front two units are booking out as midterms uh, because it's in Denver County. You can't do short-term rentals. has to be over 30 days. So um, that one will, we're still kind of price discovery on how much people actually pay, but should bring in about like 8,500 a month. Mm -hmm. And our mortgage and taxes and all that, it's like 5,200. So plus maintenance and stuff, we might net like 25 to 300, three grand a month. That was more of a strategic buy too, to buy in that particular area because everything around it was new builds. 
And because we're so new to real estate investing in general, the idea was like we weren't sure which direction we were going to be most mm-hmm. passionate about. And we wanted to be diversified at first. So we had long term, midterm and short term to kind yeah. of try out. We both leaned towards short term of like being so much more cash flow, so much yeah. more fun. But it was good that we, I think, did yeah, that. Yeah, it was too. good. And it's a great piece of land that, that we could just sell off to an, uh, like a developer in five years, develop ourselves. Like it's just kind of like a holding piece that like yeah. we'll see what we want to do with it in five years or we just you know, the, the note can go forever. Like mm-hmm. we can, we can keep mm-hmm. it for 30 years. So, um, and then the, the second Airbnb was about six months after that. Um, that one was nine thirty six. We paid seller finance, which was your favorite. <laughs> I love seller finance. <laughs> She's the queen. Um, <laughs> it was so the, Quick little tip strategy out there. If you're having trouble finding houses in your area, look at the four rents. Yeah. Uh, that's how we found this one. Uh, we actually looked at this house before the first Airbnb and passed and went with Peach House. Uh, but it was- I forgot that we yeah. did that. Yeah. We were sitting inside this house when you called the agent about Peach House and then we went right over there and we're like, yep, this is it. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that this one was bad. It just didn't hit like- We uh, didn't know how to like utilize space right. yet. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. We and then the confidence we came into that. it with the confidence from the first one. Mm-hmm. We felt like we could be more creative about it. Yeah. So yeah. call your four rents. Cause I looked at his Airbnb calendar and I looked at how I was renting. I was like, this guy needs to sell. Like <laughs> there's no way he's making his mortgage. Um, so uh, we did a, we took over his mortgage, did a wrap mortgage and also paid out his equity. But we only had to put 10% down on that one, which really helps mm-hmm. um, the cash on cash for the year because that was only like 90,000 or 93,000. And then we put uh, probably about 70 into that one too. So really we're in here for under 200. It'll net probably like 160 this year. I mean, sorry, gross 160. It'll probably net like 65 to 70, mm-hmm. which makes the cash. I mean, that's like almost 30%. Yeah. So like the low down payment really helped that one. Like boost the like uh, cash on cash. And we bought those investment properties before buying our primary house. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's Which talk about that. Not to do that. <laughs> yeah. A lot of realtors will be like, you need to buy your primary first. And honestly, at some point I thought that way. Yeah. Um, and you know, it is like the most accessible way to start because yeah. you can buy a primary with as little as 5% down. Mm-hmm. You can decide to live there and not rent it your first year, but then maybe move out and use it as a short term rental. Tyler and I did that. Yeah. yeah. Or you could do the house hack thing. What made you guys buy investment properties first? instead of your primary. Yeah. So I'm really big on the environment that you live in, especially as an entrepreneur. I was like, I can make more money in an environment that I really like being in, right? right? So we also were new to Denver and we've lived in Seattle, New York, San Diego, Austin, and now Denver. And this is where we're putting down roots. And we knew coming into a new city that we wanted to get comfortable with the city, but we saw the opportunity from an investment perspective, regardless of if it was gonna be our long-term place we wanted to live. So we rented an apartment and so many people were like, you're throwing away your money on rent. But it was like, we had no house projects. We had nothing that we needed to do. And we could just invest all of our money into growing our portfolio. And that cash flow could then pay for our mortgage that would have inevitably come when we bought a house. But it was interesting because it actually did make it a little bit more difficult when we were looking for our primary house Mm -hmm. because we have this investor mindset where it's like, we see everything else that we've invested in, the cash that we put into it, we can get a good ROI on it. But when you're looking for a primary, it's really difficult to do. You just just park in that cash. So so Cena did (laughs) the same thing that he did with one of our other properties is he was looking for four rents because we couldn't find something that we wanted to buy for ourselves. But we ended up finding a primary home that was zoned as a duplex. So we saw like an exit strategy hired your husband to value add. <laughs> love yeah. that and yeah it's a value add property and we but we looked at it through an investment lens still which yeah. was interesting and difficult yeah <laughs> and i think i think people sometimes get stuck on when they want a primary really bad yeah sometimes they don't have a clear mind to get an investment property yeah. and so i've seen that happen too in the opposite way whereas if you're trying to kind of satisfy like an investment opportunity and a primary with the same purchase, sometimes both suffer. They both right. suck. It's not a great primary and it's not a great investment property. Yeah. And that's something that I've done before. And so I've had clients where they're like, I want to live in downtown Denver. I want to be walkable to a coffee shop. I'm going to rent this apartment and then I'm going to go ahead and buy just an investment property. And now that their primary need is met, yeah. they're happy with that. Yeah. They're not clouded into like, oh, I also need this investment property to be a primary that I want to live in. And so I actually like that you guys separated yeah. that. Yeah. 
No, it worked I out. think another weird thing that you guys have had <laughs> to experience is since um, purchasing short-term rentals first, you just think that like every other property after is like kind of boring. Like they don't come <laughs> with like, you know, hot tubs or you're not putting like a putting green. And so like, that's always like funny too, to see people try to, you know, after doing short-term rental, now you hired a designer for your primary. Residence. Yeah, we would have never done that. But like also side note, we should be able to include furniture in your net worth. I yes. think that should be, I think that should be like a line item because yes. like before, like we have mismatched crap from like yeah. all the years of moving, like in our primary, it doesn't look good. It doesn't go together. Like they're, they're individual pieces that we like, but they don't flow. <laughs> and then you like come home after you're like, you're here being like, damn, like, should we just move into peach house? Like we, and we always <laughs> we almost come did. back from our properties yeah. and be like, we'll go back to our apartment. There's no neon sign here. It's so, it's so inconvenient. We're not going to take a picture. Yeah. Where's my selfie? <laughs> Where's my Where selfie mirror? Where am I supposed mirror? to take a selfie in this house? <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. can't handle it. I love that. Normalize furniture in your network. It should be, yeah. <laughs> Someone listening into this podcast, they're probably also interested in Airbnb for a reason, but figuring out why you like it, it makes yeah. it more exciting to deal with if you have a bachelorette party that pukes all over your couch and that type of thing. That's actually pretty rare that that's happened at our properties yeah. because we're designing them for a demographic that's really excited and they treat the property really well. Because mm -hmm. that's a question we get often is like, you're advertising for parties. Like you're saying, come have your bachelorette party here. But ironically, like we have not really had that much damage at all yeah. when we're catering towards parties. Mm -hmm. And, and that, yeah. was a, that was a concern of mine too, getting into it. like, oh, everyone just trashes it. And it's like, that's not true. Like you just remember the ones that do. And that's like one out of every 20. Yeah. Like that for, that last week, that was like the first time there's been significant amount of puke. Like it really doesn't happen that often. Yeah. And I think if you're listening in and you're like, oh my gosh, like, how do I handle all this? How do I find about, how do I furnish it? How do I set up the Airbnb listing? How do I like all these questions? Like, and you think you're waiting to learn, like to be ready to get started. Like you're not going to be ready. And that was a big thing for me. Like I was a dentist. So like, I need to know, I need, I had to know every step before I started. Right. Like, cause you don't want me like opening up like Wikipedia during the root canal <laughs> and be like, okay, well what's next? <laughs> like, totally makes sense. Yeah, like, hold on. I need to check my uh, dental school book to see what the next step is. <laughs> so like I, my brain was trained to like, I need to know every step, but like, this is so different from that. And I sat in analysis paralysis because I thought I had to know more. Like, what if someone pukes? Oh, you just clean, like it gets cleaned up. Mm -hmm. Like what if someone like breaks a door handle? Like it's just, there's ways to fix it. Like don't, cons don't worry about that. If you're listening in and you're like, man, I don't know how to handle that. It's like, just worry about like finding a property, then worry about furnishing it. And then you can worry about listing it and promoting it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's definitely such a learning period. Like when you first start, like you're getting to know your asset, right? Like yeah. you don't know the problems until it's being used as yeah. a short-term rental. And people use a short-term rental in its full capacity from day one, because they are cooking there, they're relaxing yeah. there, they're enjoying there. And so it's so much different than like a long-term asset. Yeah. Like you're gonna figure out all of those issues up front. And I see this happen a lot where people will purchase a property and then they find out all of these issues and they're just devastated by yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And they're surprised by it. But really like once you address them, once you get through them, once you work out the kinks, yeah. it can be a machine that is yes. easy to run. But in yeah. the beginning, it's a ton of work for the setup. Yep. It's a ton of work to get your systems done. And it's a ton of work to understand the issues that your particular asset is gonna have. Yeah. yeah. And if you own an Airbnb that has AC, buy a thermostat that you can lock. Cause the first thing yes, people do people is they come in yeah. and they crank that thing down. And I didn't know that you're your AC pipes can freeze if it's too low. Like you, like you have to set it. You, have, you can't let them do that because they'll just come in and crank it down. They don't give a mm -hmm. shit. They're not paying for it. Well, and what you just said, Chantal, it just makes me think of, you know, yes, it's a lot of work getting started and you work out the kinks, but even now Peach House has been launched for about eight months at the time that we're recording this, that we, because we're doing renovations to our primary house, we were partially staying with you and your husband, as we mentioned <laughs> at the beginning, we were roommates. And then we were partially popping when there wasn't reservations at our own Airbnbs during the week. And we got to one of our properties, Peach House, and it's been working really well for eight yeah. months. But Cena got in and was like, here's how we're going to improve things even <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah, stay your property. Yeah. So it's like staying there and see and using it like your guests would use it at different times in yeah. the property has been also really helpful for us. Because I actually was the first person that got to stay at our property because I stayed there for a bachelorette party that I was the maid of honor of mm -hmm. when we launched that weekend. So I got to see all the kinks yeah. as we were putting it on the market. But now even eight months later, it was cool to think like, how can we optimize this even more? And it makes it fun. Cause you're like, yeah. Oh, there's other cool things that we can do. Yeah. And side note, like it's really nice that good neighbor allows you to crash at your house. 
<laughs> wow renovation like that is such yeah, a we we guarantee it you know yeah, like you can stay with homes it. when you're buying a home with good neighbor realty i've just never come just come i've never seen that before out of a brokerage like that <laughs> yeah. is just so nice yeah and her husband will cook you dinner yeah. Oh, yeah that comes with he it. makes yeah. a great <laughs> seafood pasta their dog warm and inviting oh, so fuzzy yeah so no, I, my my dog is um she's a little bitchy but <laughs> She's that like mean girl attitude, but she's lovey. Um, I love that. Uh, Another thing that I think you guys have touched on a lot throughout this episode is just, you know, Keisha, you are excited and you love the asset. And something that I actually heard in an unrelated way, but has like stuck with me is like, you don't take care of things that you don't love. Yeah. And for me, that's important too. And I have this thing where like, I'll tell a client like, you know, you can have a vacation home. You can kind of have your cake and eat it too. You can enjoy your property and it can make you money. And I feel like that's unique in the short-term rental space. So maybe you can touch a little bit about that. Yeah. Oh, I think it's just the story that you're telling yourself about what it's supposed to be like. I also think this can be fun. It can be challenging and it can be fun. Mm -hmm. And it's like, People can feel if you're enthusiastic about it, especially if you go the route of promoting it outside of just Airbnb, Mm -hmm. which we do promote it on social media. Like we built Instagram accounts for both Peach House Denver and Champagne House Denver. And I think people can just feel the enthusiasm Mm -hmm. and that makes people want to rent it because you also are then putting so much more work into it because you're excited to see how it all comes together. And I think that really matters. Yeah. There's totally a sales component to this. It's a small business. And so something that I've told people is like, you know, they'll say, Chantel, just find me something where the numbers work. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I am not just going to find you something where the numbers work for short-term rental because you're the person who has to design this. You're the person who has to write the descriptions. Mm -hmm. You're the person who has to promote this. And if you don't get it, if you don't have a vision for it, it's just not going to do as well. And so when people ask me, you know, who are the people who don't do well in this space? I would say like people who are not thinking about like their target customer are not, they don't have a vision. They don't like it. I've had people that are like, you know, I'm just going to buy this like mid range property and I'm going to do the bare minimum. And it's just like an investment that they don't really put a lot of time and attention or care to. Yeah. Yeah. And the mediocre middle is like struggling more than anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So I know every time I've like not done it the right way has bit me in the ass. Like, uh, for example, at, the new property, like the, not doing the AC right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Like I, I knew I should have done it like same. And like, I just didn't do it. Cause I thought I was like, well, we, maybe we can save three grand. It's like, mm-hmm. I, there's, there's a point you get to in there. Like you're gonna have to make decisions on what to do. Like just what would you like? And like, just do it the right, the right, do it right. The right way mm-hmm. the first time. And then also when you're buying furniture, like just buy the good stuff. Cause mm-hmm. like the last thing you want, is it you breaking? Remember what happened to me? I don't. Yeah. Um, my furniture, mm-hmm. so, oh, yeah, yeah, I decided to cheap out on some bar stools and all of a sudden I got a message that someone fell off of a bar stool mm-hmm. and onto their back on like a concrete floor. This is actually when you guys were staying with me yeah. and I was like, oh my God, what do I do? And Cena to the rescue was like, send them some cookies. <laughs> and he goes wrong to send cookies. Send alcohol. And I was like, I don't know if those could help him stay in their chairs. Yeah. If, well, if you have a concussion, I don't think alcohol is what you should That do. is true. Yeah. And like a small mm-hmm. note on alcohol, you do have to be careful providing alcohol in your rentals because, you yeah. know, God forbid you have someone who's like, I'm trying to be sober. I'm trying to get yeah. away. Like, I don't want to be around this anymore. And then you have alcohol in I the know. house. You do have to be like sensitive and careful. About yeah, we don't do alcohol, uh, even though our house is called Champagne House. It's just, it's a tricky line. It you is. Know, I, yeah. I, I, liability. The wise liability too. wise, not worth it for us mm-hmm. personally. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you guys both so much for coming. It has been so mm-hmm. fun and such an honor to have you guys as one of our first ever guests on BNB Financially Free. Um, so some way that you guys could help us out is to repost um, this podcast onto your story, send it to someone that you think would enjoy this or learn from this. Um, and we just so appreciate you guys um, tuning in today and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Yeah. As always, thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend who's also interested in real estate investing. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a review wherever you listen or watch your podcasts. 